Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 161, March Gamer Madness, part two. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast for board gamers and the insane fun that Toys R Us kids have at the table. This is Chris. And this is Anthony, and I'm very sad. I know. Why do you got to bring it up, man? You know, when you grow up being a Toys R Us kid, you know, there's more games, there's more toys. Oh boy! And now it's going away man but i want to play with <laughs> i know and where will i go to play with yeah if you haven't heard yet you will eventually hear or actually maybe see all of the toys r us in the u.s and i think even around the world they're going to be liquidating and disappearing off the map so we won't have any more toys r us baby r us or any any r us anywhere so no more backwards r's it is a very sad day in the life of any adult age 28 or older, who spent many, many hours hiding from their parents in a Toys R Us aisle. <sighs> Let's pour one out, guys. <laughs> it's true. It, it's funny. It's one of those kind of situations and nostalgia bring us back to a moment in time where we all were in that store. And depending on your age, that game collection was pretty substantial. And I know that I was talking to some friends at the table and they were saying, you know, I remember back then they used to have Avalon Hill games as far as the eye could see. And, you know, I don't go back that far, but I remember as a kid, there was just a wall full of games. And it's just, it's amazing. I mean, that's one of the places where, if not the only place, I was picking up board games and learning about this great hobby. Yeah, nah, that's a shame. So with that little bit of sad news, we just want to, as Anthony said, pour one out for our homies there and move <laughs> on to the, the fun stuff here. We do have a lot of madness for you on this episode. We're going on to our next rounds for our March Board Gamer Madness. Yes, it is happening. Parts two and three. And just before we get started, too, thanks to everybody who joined in on the contest. And just because I know some people had issues with the app, I wanted to let you all know that I am sorry about that. And the technical issues, we're going to get that resolved. We have another contest coming up in June for World Cup type stuff. And we will get that all worked out so you can... Fill out your brackets, figure out what you're, you know, you, what you're putting your all your eggs in uh, in your basket and make sure it works in your phone this time. But for everybody who was able to get through, we will be announcing the winners next week. So make sure you tune in next week when we bring you the final final and uh, we'll run the winners out and someone's getting a game. Yeah, and we'll also be talking about some new announcements for BGA. Definitely want to hear those for next week. And we love hearing from you. So thanks to everyone again obviously for putting their information and following through the bracket and listening to this episode. And if you'd like to get in part of this, whether it's just the bracket or anything else, Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our YouTube channel, our Guild on Board Game Geek, obviously our Patreon account so that we can bring you an episode without any commercials, which is a lot of fun for us as well. All right, Anthony, we talked about everything going on with BGA. Let's talk some madness. We are going back to our round two for our paper slash card bracket. And we went through some massive amounts of games last time. 
And now it really gets very, very tough. And I'm not sure where this is going to end up, but let's let's get on to this next round. Yeah, let's do it. We're not going to go through like whatever game is this time, but we did last week. So if you want to hear kind of a brief description of all 64 games, especially if you're not like if you're relatively new to the hobby or just want to learn more about all these games we're talking about, definitely check out episode 160. This week, we're just going to kind of dive into these games, their mechanics. Yeah, which one's absolutely. The best. And especially a disclaimer, this is all about how the components make these games fantastic. So keep that in mind when we go through our votes. So not everyone's so upset with the final. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got a few of those already. All right, Anthony. So for our second round, we are talking about our number one seed, Seven Wonders Duel, versus our number nine seed, Star Realms. Now, this is the kind of the Battle of the Titans here. We're, we're talking about a massive game in seven wonders where the cards are being laid out they're using some of the original seven wonders artwork here there are some changes here and typically the cards are pretty good quality they have some iconography on them because you are building set collections you're utilizing resources there and when they become part of this tableau they're flipping over so you can't see what's available so picking out those cards at the right time will allow your opponent to get something or not get something pretty challenging there Star Realms is all about deck building and building the appropriate deck based upon the different factions you're playing with. Great artwork there as well. Real interesting. And you're basically attacking the other person's life points, you know, with all these kind of crazy spaceships and these kind of stations. So what are you thinking here? Yeah, this is a really tough one because uh, I really like the way the the cards in uh, Seven Wonders Duel are kind of utilized and manipulated and you build out your tableau with. Uh, But Star Realms is a pure deck builder. And so it's all cards all the time and i think because of that because star realms you have a single deck box it has a full game inside a really deep quality two-player game that you can play anywhere kind of takes that idea behind dominion and really boils it down Uh, i'm gonna go with star realm i like star realms a lot but i like what the cards do in seven wonders duel which is they make that kind of interesting pyramid dynamic up for each of the different rounds and they're face down so the cards do something i guess a secondary ability here or a back ability here so i'm gonna go with seven wonders duel all right anthony you know what this means this goes on to our tiebreaker here Alrighty, the listeners are agreeing with the bgg ranking and all the other rankings in the world and they've chosen seven wonders duel all right so the number one seed seven wonders duel moves on to round three next up we have our number two seed seven wonders versus our number 10 seed San Juan. Now, Seven Wonders is the kind of like modern day classic card drafting game that's all about building a civilization. You have a nice little wonder board in which you can tuck your cards under. You're doing some set collection. You're doing some hate drafting. And there's just a number of different possibilities as far as how you're putting those sets together. Now, with San Juan, San Juan is also another modern day classic that you're building up San Juan with all these different buildings and these farms. And what's interesting here is when you're using your cards, they can be used for the building or they can be used as a currency to pay for that building of that building. We got a lot of civilization building here. Which way are you going? San Juan still has one of my favorite implementations of cards because I always love the ability of using cards for multiple things in the same game. I'm going to go with San Juan. All right. Well, this is a tough one. We recently talked on a page backed episode that Card drafting is one of our favorite things. It's just an amazing mechanic to be able to use those cards in that particular way. But San Juan does allow you to use the cards as currency. 
and I'm looking for cards and paper that do something else other than just a standard thing. So I'm going to go with San Juan as well. And San Juan, our number 10 seed, moves on to round three. Upset. All right. Next up is our number 11 seed, Lord of the Rings, the LCG versus Mysterium. Now, Lords of the Rings is a LCG, a living card game in which one or two people journey during journey down these classic Lord of the Rings scenarios, building up their characters, taking down the bad guys, wonderful artwork, really, really interesting game, versus Mysterium, which is kind of like an offshoot of Dixit, in which you use these beautiful tarot-sized cards that have this really impressive artwork that can be interpreted in a number of different ways, but it's also at the same time very distinct, in which you're trying to give clues as the ghost to the second investigators to figure out your murder. In addition to those cards, there's also going to be cards for different possible suspects and locations and those possible murder weapons. All right, Anthony, what are we doing here? Is it going to be about the mystery of the One Ring or Mysterium? Uh, um, <laughs> I think as the sole LCG in our bracket here and the fact that it's one of my favorite solo games and one of my favorite card games period i'm gonna go with lord of the rings yeah this is a tough one both games have great implementations of their card play and it's really about their cards there's really nothing else that gets in the way here you know i've i've kind of struggled with this here but when i'm thinking about you know the value of the cards it's really got to be mysterium for me just because the artwork does something so wonderful by being giving you such that eerie creepy dream kind of feel and at the same time giving you a, so many options to express what you're trying to express as, as far as the ghost is concerned all right anthony we got another tie here this bracket is kind of just blown up here so which is it um i choose not to read it <laughs> well by using my ghostly psychic powers i can uh <laughs> determine that your lcg did not move on to the next round and it is Ah, oh, come on. Mysterium that moves on to round three. The 14th seed, man. No LCGs after round two? Come on. What are <laughs> you doing? Fair, there's me? no drafting games at this point either, so. All right. That's fair enough, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up is our number four seed, Castles of Burgundy, the card game, versus our number five seed, Glory to Rome. Now, Castles of Burgundy, the card game, is a re-implementation of Castles and Burgundy, the board game by Stefan Feld. Now, this is all about set collection and trying to reach the goals before anyone else is able to do. But what's really great here in this small deck of cards, you're getting so much game. It plays so much like Castles of Burgundy, but a lot faster. And the cards have a lot of information on them, including a die. So you don't need dice in this game, and it still plays just as well, if not better, than the board game. Now, when you're looking at Glory to Rome, you're looking at one of the kind of grail games of all time in which you're using the cards in a number of different ways in order to build buildings, to use the cards as resources, and the cards themselves have a lot of different paths to victory. So one person could be all about putting materials into their vault where another person has a certain combination that may let them win the game right away. So these both these games are really complex and really a lot of fun. All right, Anthony, we have our Stefan Feld still holding out here, our Castles of Burgundy, the card game, versus Glory to Rome. You're going to build up a little uh, 
tableau here. What is it going to be? Yeah, this one's actually kind of hard. I'm not the world's biggest Glory to Rome fan, but the use of cards here is pretty ingenious, I should say. <laughs> um, but the Castles of Burgundy card game is legitimately one of my favorite games and takes the mechanics from one of my other favorite games and puts it into a single deck of cards, which is just so cool. Anytime you can do that and make it work, I, I feel like that's it's worth uh, being rewarded. So I'm going to go with Castles of Burgundy, the card game. This is another really tough one for me. I own both of these games. It took me forever to track down a copy of Glory to Rome, and I got the one with the kind of cartoony artwork, and I really want a black box edition. I really enjoy this game so much. That being said, when I've played this game, a lot of people are having a really hard time with it because there are so many cards in Glory to Rome that just could kind of pull victory out of your hands. And sometimes it feels like a really unfair way. The cards do everything here. It's hard not to pick this game. But by the fact that the game itself can be so incredibly swinging because of the cards... I got to go with Castles of Burgundy, the card game as well. All right, All right. So Castles of Burgundy, the card game moves on to round three. All right. So next up is our cardboard bracket. Starting off with our number one seed, Small World, versus our number eight seed, A Feast for Odin. Now, Small World, as we all know, is the Days of Wonder area control game in which you get a fantasy race put together with a fantasy power. You move them out into this little small world area. You conquer that area, do the best you can. You eventually retire those chits. And then you move out a new race with a new brand new combination. You do the best you can. Eventually that race kind of get, runs its runs itself out to its limit. And then eventually you bring in another race. Great production. Everything is chunky and really beautiful artwork in this game. Versus Feast for Odin, which is an Uwe Rosenberg game that's all about these polyominoes that you use to fill up an island, to feed their Vikings, and to kind of score the most points possible with a real kind of fun puzzly aspect to it. All right, Anthony, it's Small World versus A Feast for Odin. Where do the chips fall? I think you know, and I think everybody listening knows exactly what I think about this. Uh, <laughs> polyominoes all the way. It's got to be a feast for Odin for me. This is a hard one, too, because both these games are chit-tastic. They have a ton of little chits that come into play here. You know, I know you're the big Polyomino fan, but Small World, I'm just going to go with it because it's just got better artwork here. So chits just do a little bit more for me. All right, Anthony, we got another tie here. Moves on to our listeners. What do they have to say? Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with the artwork, but anytime you've got custom shapes and everything, it's... Uh... It's a lot more fun for me personally to put that puzzle together. The This one was really, really close. A lot of people like both of these games, but A Feast for Odin had just a few more votes, uh, and that one is the winner. In this All right, our number eight seed, A Feast for Odin, moves on to round three. Next up, our number two seed, Caverna, the Cave Farmers, versus our number 10 seed, Photosynthesis. Now, Caverna is another Uwe Rosenberg game that's all about exploring and building in your cavern and out in your fields in order to build rooms, in order to build farms, in order to explore and gain as many resources as possible. Versus photosynthesis, which is all about growing trees out in the forest and hopefully blocking your opponent's sunlight so you get the most sun possible, so you can be able to grow the most trees to the highest height possible, and then be able to pull those trees off to score victory points. All right, Anthony, these, both these games are all about farming and growing your plants out here. So which one is it for you? I said this last week, and I think anytime that the cardboard becomes three-dimensional, 
it automatically <laughs> wins and it's the only three-dimensional game in this list so photosynthesis it has to be you know game. i know that you're not a big fan of agricola as far as with the card play here caverna does such a great job having all of those tiles out there on the board it really makes a beautiful display on the table but i i guess i'm gonna go with you on here on this round because uh Despite the fact that the sun and photosynthesis isn't a great piece of cardboard, those trees are amazing. So our number 10 seed photosynthesis moves on to the next round. Next up, we have our number three seed shipyard versus our number six seed castles of Mad King Ludwig. All right, Anthony, what we're looking at here with shipyard is, of course, building up ships, using all these chits to build up a ship, using additional chits to put people on these ships and a little kind of smokestacks and all these other kind of parts that go on top of ships. On top of which, you're also building a path that your ship is going to travel in order to score additional victory points. This game has a ton of little chits. It's super crunchy, but definitely interesting. Versus Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which is all about building a castle using an auction mechanic that allows you to put together all these really different and interesting and colorful rooms that will score off each other depending on which room matches up to which other room. And hopefully all those rooms are closed off so you get an additional bonus in this game. All right, Anthony, are you building ships or are you building castles here, my friend? Mm, this is a really tough one because both of these are really good in terms of building out all these creative custom uses of the cardboard. Uh, as you build your tableau. I think I'm going to lean towards Castles of Mad King just because of the variability and the differences and all the customization and the fact that every single time you play, you have a different castle that you've built um, with all that cardboard. And it's it's defining for the game, like the way the cardboard interacts with the, with the player space. You know, I, I do love the Mad King's castles here. If it included the expansion, I would jump on this. I do feel like the base game is missing something. And that's why I'm going to go with Shipyard here because even though you're typically building ships and you're putting stuff on the ships and you're traveling the ships, the inclusion of being able to pick what your end goal is going to be, so the size of the ship or what it's carrying matters a lot, just allows for so much replay value here. So I'm going to go with Shipyard. All right, Anthony, that leads us to another tiebreaker. Man, there's all tiebreakers here. Let's go on to our listeners, and what do they have to say? Ah, uh, so the listeners are huge fans of a crazy old king named Ludwig. Castles of Mad King Ludwig wins out. All right, so our number six seed, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, moves on to round three. Next up, the Castles of Burgundy versus our number five seed, Orleans. The Castles of Burgundy is one of Stefan Feld's just biggest classic games possible. It's all about arrangement of tiles on the small board that if you're able to complete a section, you will win a goal. So it's a lot of set collection, but using all of these different cardboard chits that are utilized by placing dice in the right spot. So the bigger and the faster you can build up, the more points you're gonna be able to score. Now, whereas Orleans is all about bag building, all of these cardboard chits that represent these different peoples in Orleans go into a bag, you pull them out, and then based upon the combination that you're able to pull out, you place them in the city in order to activate special abilities. As the game goes on, you'll be able to move your carts and your ships around another board 
that are going to pick up additional chits that are going to be resources throughout the game. All right, Anthony, so we are going old school with this. Is it going to be the castles in Burgundy in their set collection or Orleans in their bag building? Yeah, it's another tough one. I love the castles of Burgundy. I love what all those chits represent, but I'm going to go with Orleans just because bag building's unique and kind of new and pretty cool, like a nice twist on the old deck building style mechanics. And the quality of components here is like a thousand times better than the Castles of Burgundy. We've been holding out hope for a special edition, collector's edition of Castles of Burgundy for like 10 years now. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Orleans, we got it right off the bat. So, uh, and even the base game is pretty good. So Orleans for me. Yeah, this is a tough one here because like you said, the Castles of Burgundy is a classic game, a lot of fun. It still gets table play, but it's yet to be upgraded. Now for me, that wouldn't hold it back but the idea that you are not just playing chits onto a board, but that you're also pulling them from a bag and trying to work out the correct numbers there is amazing. So I'm also going to go with Orleans. All right, so our number five seed Orleans moves on to round three. All right, now on to our wood bracket. So starting off with our number one seed, Agricola, versus our number eight seed, Five Tribes. Now, when we talk about wood, Agricola really kind of pops up here because there's so much wood in this game, and the wood in this game is very, very thematic as far as building up your farm, planting your vegetables, seeing that stack of vegetables come into play, and then pulling those vegetables off in order to feed your people or to score victory points. Not to mention later on, they had their animeeples, which come into play as far as expanding your, your farm animal population on the board. Now, that's versus five tribes, which is all about meeples that are using an Amont column mechanic in which you pick up a whole bunch of meeples and then you drop them off on different tiles. And then when the final one lands, based upon its color, it's going to activate a special ability. But that's not it. There's a ton of camels and castles and palm trees that come into play that really make Five Tribes a beautiful game. All right, Anthony, it's all about wood here. Is it going to be Agricola and all of its animeeples or Five Tribes and it's all of its different meeples that come into play? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can give a award for animeeples these days. Everybody's got them. It's old hat. They're, it's, uh, they're an innovator, but it's been done better. And five tribes. You probably have a couple of them running around the house these days, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh, man. I know the dog ate at least one. So five tribes for me is just this beautiful, brilliant production with so many great wood pieces. You throw in the expansions, you got even more wood pieces. The box is bursting, literally bursting. Can't fit everything in there. Uh, I'm going to go with Five Tribes. Both have wonderful production. And I, and I think that Agricola may edge out as far as the wood production here because it is also another game that kind of bursts at its limits. That being said, the manipulation of the wooden pieces in Five Tribes is obviously very dynamic and just very visceral. And it just adds a lot more to the game. So I'm going to go with Five Tribes here. All right, our number eight seed, Five Tribes, moves on to round three. Next up is our number seven seed, Tuscany, versus our number 15 seed, Meeple Circus. Now, Tuscany is a Stonemeyer game all about wine. So you are cultivating your vineyard and using a whole bunch of different wooden pieces that show different special abilities that your vineyard has to offer. Whereas Meeple Circus is all about meeples and meeples and different random kind of pieces whether they're boards or circles that are representing all these different objects that you can find in a circus now once the game is started it's all about arranging those pieces in the right spots 
Okay, Anthony, is it about wine or is it about the circus here? Yeah, this is a hard one because I feel like any dexterity game automatically kind of jumps up a little bit. It uses those wood pieces to engage you. But I really, really like the way the, the wood pieces are utilized in Tuscany. All these custom meeples, the different sized workers that you have, the, you know, things like the windmills and all that. And then the Euro blood in me says, I have to go with that. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Tuscany. Yeah, Tuscany is definitely the uh, the finer of the games, whether you're a Euro gamer or not. Uh, you know, by the, the same token that I went along with with Five Tribes, being able to manipulate the wood pieces, as you said, is more of a dexterity game. I'm going to go with Meeple Circus here, even though it's not the better game, but I think it's the better implementation of the wooden pieces. All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. What do our listeners have to say? All right, so this one's actually really close. A lot of people like Meeple Circus, even though it's relatively new. Um, I know I like it, even having just played it recently. But the Viticulture Tuscany Essential Edition uh, just ekes it out and takes this one home. All right, so our number seven seed, Tuscany, moves on to the next round. Next up, we have our number 11 seed, Roll Through the Ages, versus our number 14 seed, Carcassonne. Now, Roll Through the Ages is a really interesting game. It comes in a couple of different varieties, but it's all about these big, wooden, chunky dice that you roll in order to get resources, or in some points, bad things can happen to you or to other players in the game. Now, you also have your own player board, which is a giant piece of chunky wood that has all the markings that you're going to need in order to count up your resources and then utilize those different resources to score different things on your player map. Whereas Carcassonne, as you know, is the one of the classic games of all time about putting down tiles and then dropping meeples on those tiles to represent farmers, knights, thieves, and monks. Depending on where they're placed and how they're placed, that's what they are. Okay, Anthony, are you rolling or are you uh, falling down on the fields with Carcassonne? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got the classic with the meeples and the all the different things you could do with those meeples. Um, but Roll for the Ages is just, it's one of those games that's always struck me, you know, the, that pub game style, toss it around, could throw it in your backpack. Uh, everything's made of wood. Really, really like that. Does it need to be made of wood? Not necessarily. Do meeples need to be made of wood? No, they could be plastic. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to go with the, the wooden dice, the wooden pegs, the wooden board. I like Roll Through the Ages. Yeah, I think Roll Through the Ages is one of those games that just doesn't get enough attention because it was originally created to be a pub game. And because it was created in that way, everything was wood. And it's something that had to last and something that does last. And it's something that people should play. So I'm going to roll with it and go with Roll Through the Ages. All right, Roll Through the Ages moves on to the next round. Next up is our number four seed, Crokinole, versus our number five seed, Oracle of Delphi. Now, Anthony, Crokinole is a classic. And when I mean classic, I mean we're going back hundreds of years <laughs> when we're talking about Crokinole. And it's basically a dexterity game. It's a two-player game where you're flicking discs in kind of like a shuffleboard type of situation in order to get to the best position possible. Whereas Oracle of Delphi is a Steffenfeld game in a very different way. It's not a point salad game. It's actually a race game that utilizes ships and monsters and really a whole bunch of wooden components that really kind of come together to provide a beautiful looking game. So, Anthony, are you flicking or are you racing? I love Oracle Delphi. I love all the different wooden bits and pieces here. But I feel like in our wood bracket, I would be remiss if we didn't have 
at least one dexterity game, especially the classic Crokinole, which doesn't exist without the wood. You know, the wooden board, the Crokinole board itself is just iconic. People hanging on the wall. Some people have clocks made out of them. It's just, it's such a beautiful production. And then those little, those little pieces that you're flicking around. So yeah, I'm going to go with Crokinole. It's, if I was going to, if you asked me to pick one game from this list of wood games to own that I don't already own, this would be the one. So I'm going to pick this one. You know, this is a really hard one. And as, as you mentioned, Crokinole is a classic beyond well, probably all other classic games. It's a great dexterity two-player game. Uh, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, it's hard not to pick this game. Oracle of Delphi is a great race game. Nice, chunky wooden components here. Man, it's this. This is kind of a tough one here. You know, you have a, a bear down game versus kind of a really con, kind of complex race game. I'm gonna go with Oracle of Delphi. All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. Let's go on to our listeners. What do they have to say? Ah, uh, they agree with you, sir. Oracle of Delphi wins that one. All right, our number five seed moves on to round three. Next up, it's our plastic bracket. All about the miniatures here, my friend, and some unusual different takes on plastic. Starting off, we have our number one seed, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures, versus our number eight seed, Santorini. Now, as you all know, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures is a flight pass system that utilizes a well, well well-known IP. And in this case, all these different Star Wars ships, starting off with these like small snub fighters, moving on to these big, big kind of ships. And basically, it's all about the positioning of the ships. And if you're in the right position and your guns are shooting forward, you're in good shape. If they're not, you're in really bad shape. Beautiful paint jobs, really well crafted versus our number eight seed, Santorini, which is a three-dimensional abstract game that's all about trying to get yourself on top of these buildings while blocking out your other opponents. All right, Anthony, is it a galaxy far, far away or a Grecian island not too far away? Easy. Everybody knows the answer to this, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah for me it's star wars x-wing it's just this game doesn't exist without those beautiful miniatures and the way that they're produced and the way that they're scaled and the way that they interact with each other is just ah yeah. it's perfect you know I, I santorini really grew on me you know at first i was a little kind of like taken back by it but i don't know i, I gotta say that star wars x-wing miniatures does something so well that i haven't seen in really any other miniatures game which is a fantastic miniature with a fantastic paint job and the worst feeling in the world when your ship is not facing the right way and someone's behind you. So Star Wars X-Wing Miniature moves on to the next round. Next up is our number two seed, Rising Sun, versus our number seven seed, Mystic Veil. Now, as we all know, Rising Sun is the new hotness from Simon that's all about these mythical creatures and these huge kind of armies taking over feudal Japan versus Mystic Veil, which is all about card crafting. You get these wonderful plastic sleeves, and then you put these different plastic inserts that will actually bump up the card with power, and then you use a press-your-luck mechanic in order to see how many resources you can get out in order to get more inserts to build up your cards for more victory points later on in the game. Okay, Anthony... All right, Anthony, are you heading on to the Rising Sun or way, way, way back to the Mystic Veil? I, yeah, I mean, Mystic Veil is a little more innovative in that those, you know, those plastic cards and the sleeves and how they interact with each other. But I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, recognize the just ridiculous sheer audacity of the miniatures in Rising Sun. The size, the detail, the scope, the sheer volume of them. And the game doesn't really 
I cannot imagine this feeling or playing the same if you didn't have them. I know a lot of miniatures games, that's not the case. This one, I really think it is. Uh, and especially if you have the Kickstarter edition, all the different plastic bits that come in that. Um, but we're not even counting that. Uh, so I'm going to go with Rising Sun. Yeah, this is a tough one here and probably the toughest one in the plastic bracket just basically because you have probably the most detailed miniatures possible, at least up to date, in Rising Sun versus probably the most innovative use of plastic in Mystic Veil. Man, it, this is really a rough one here. I would say because the miniatures do more than just be miniatures on the board, they also activate special abilities. They are also coins that you use for bidding. All right, our number two seed, Rising Sun, moves on to the next round. All right, next up is our number three seed, Blood Rage, versus our number 11 seed, Mechs versus Minions. Now, Blood Rage is another Simon game from Eric Lang, and it's all about Vikings taking down their other opposite clans, getting to Valhalla, beautiful army miniatures, wonderful, fierce monsters that come into play, versus Mechs versus Minions, which is a League of Legends game that's all about a cooperative gameplay that utilizes programming in order to send out your hero to take down all of these different minions. Okay, Anthony, this is another really challenging turn here. Is it going to be is it going to be Blood Rage and its monsters or Mechs and its unlimited number of minions? Oh, okay, so we have uh, I, I kind of want to see Rising Sun up against Blood Rage, but the Mechs versus Minions production is just so outrageously good. And the pre-painting and just the way everything kind of comes to life on the board and the sheer volume of minions you have in that box. And I mentioned this last week, but the tray itself, the insert, deserves to be mentioned in here as well because it is one of the best inserts ever made. Um, I'm going to go with Next versus Minions in the upset. Yeah, this is another rough one here. Both have great miniatures that come into play and really a, a fantastic job on both of these games. Rising Sun does a lot of the things that Blood Rage does. So I think I'm going to go with Mechs versus Minions here, just because there's some different gameplay that goes into here. Not to mention the paint jobs here, especially, and I don't want to ruin anything, but there's some majorly large minion that can come into play at the end of the game. All right, our final round is our number four seed, Star Wars Imperial Assault, versus our number five seed, Memoir 44. Now, Star Wars Imperial Assault is a campaign game in the Star Wars universe. It's got great, fantastic miniatures. you got Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, even have an AT-ST versus Memoir 44, which is a fan of both board gamers and war gamers. It's basically like your dream come true of having all those little green army men on the board. But it's not just about these army men. You also have tanks and a whole bunch of artillery and barricades. Just so much plastic in that game, utilizing the command and color system. All right, Anthony, these are both two big conflict games. Is it going to be Star Wars Imperial Assault, or is the little green men going to kind of wear down, wear you down? <laughs> I know you said uh, dream come true, but uh, honestly, for me, Star Wars is like the dream come true. It's a Star Wars board game with all of my favorite characters from all of the movies that matter, just out there doing their thing, interacting fighting each other you've got the cooperative mode you've got the skirmish mode you've got the app but but memoir 44 is a 
really command and colors in general is just one of the best implementations of a war game system because it's accessible it's malleable it's been reused in fantasy themes and all sorts of different ways and this particular one because it's days of wonder has so much plastic and it really scales really well in a way that other world war ii games can't because they're too complicated and too intricate so as much as i love imperial assault i can't choose it because it is an iteration of other games that use plastic in the same way uh, i'm gonna go with memoir 44 yeah this is a really rough one here because as much as you are a big star wars fan so am i but memoir 44 does something that i i don't think any other board game has done it's made war gamers love miniatures and you know the attention to detail here is just amazing and that really is a you know something significant to say about the game so i'm gonna go with memoir 44 and memoir 44 our fifth seed moves on to round three all right that brings us right back up to the top with our paper slash card bracket where we have in round three our number one seed seven wonders duel versus our number four seed castles of burgundy the card game what do you think anthony okay so i've picked the castles of burgundy card game every single time and I'm going to do it again because I really, really like how it's implemented. <laughs> as much as I love Seven Wonders Duel, um, it is probably the best two-player game I own. Um, I'm going to go with Castles of Burgundy. Both of these are really tough. Both of these use their cards in a lot of different ways. I would say Seven Wonders Duel's artwork is a lot better on yes. the cards. <laughs> Castles of Burgundy, you know, card game has more iconography that comes into play and how you utilized it. Man, this is a really rough one here, and I guess it's supposed to be. You know what? I'm going to go Castles of Burgundy, the card game. It, it really kind of blew me away. And if, if any card game can, in my in my experience, do a better job than its board game version, it deserves to move on to the next round. All right. Now in our next matchup, we have our number 10 seed, San Juan, versus our number 14 seed, Mysterium. All right, Anthony, where are you going here? All right. Look at our seating here. <laughs> We got two double digits. Um, I love Mysterium. I really like the use of cards as much as I loved it in Dixit. I like it here more. Uh, but again, I've said this over and over again, San Juan and it's multi-use of the cards and the fact you basically have a single deck of cards and a couple bits. And it's been used in other systems, but this is one of the first ones to do it. I'm going to pick San Juan. Yeah, this is a another rough one because, as you said, San Juan uses their cards for currency and that's really a great mechanic. Mysterium does something great, which is the artwork goes beyond just being beautiful. It's really kind of informative. And this is a this is really a tough one here. I'm, I'm going to go along with you, Anthony, here. I'm going to say San Juan. It was a grail game for a long time when the game was out of print. And that was pretty significant that there was so much love for this card game, despite the fact that no one could find it. And people were paying large amounts of money for it. So... San Juan, our number 10 seed, moves on to the next round. All right, that moves us on to our cardboard bracket, where we have our number 8 seed, A Feast for Odin, versus our number 5 seed, Orleans. Okay, Anthony, what are you feeling here? Poly Aminos. <laughs> this is actually a little tougher. I, like, I know everybody's probably thinking, like, he's just going to say this one every time. But I do really like both of these and their use of cardboard. But Feast for Odin has so much good cardboard, guys. I I got it. I still, it, yeah, it's still that one for me. Well, I'm going to go with Orleans here just because you're doing something different with the cardboard chits. You're actually building a bag and you're putting them up to play. And on top of which, the artwork is just a lot better for me. 
All right, Anthony, we got a tie here. What do our listeners have to say? Our listeners also love the polyominoes. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> listeners. Uh, Feast for Odin. All right, Feast for Odin moves on to the next round. Next up is our number 10 seed, Photosynthesis, versus our number 6 seed, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. All right, Anthony, this is getting a little tighter here. What are you feeling? All right, so I've said this every time, and this is one of those ones where it almost doesn't hold because you've got three-dimensional in photosynthesis and all those lovely trees, but in Castles of Mad King Ludwig, it's also very spatial, and the cardboard is a big part of that. I'm still going to go with photosynthesis because, and I already said 3D, but the 3D components are actually a big part of the mechanics of the game. The taller the tree, the more light it blocks, and the smaller trees don't get the light that they need. It is visually and physically manifest on the board by the cardboard, and I think that's it's just a really, really cool way to do it. And it's not something you see very often, so I, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that as well. I'm not a huge fan of the implementation of the sun, but the fact that there's a giant piece of cardboard that's moving around the board showing you where the sunlight's kind of projecting, that's pretty fantastic. So photosynthesis moves on to the next round. Next up is our wood bracket where we have our number eight seed, Five Tribes, versus our number five seed, Oracle of Delphi. Okay, Anthony, where are you going here? Okie dokie. Five Tribes, Oracle of Delphi. This one's actually kind of hard for me. Um, I like both these games quite a bit. They both kind of use wood components in a very similar way uh, in that they are a big, big part of what you're doing on the board and they're kind of evocative of the theme, but also of the mechanics. Days of Wonder always does it more beautifully. It's a very pretty game to look at, but I'm going to lean towards Oracle of Delphi here just because uh, there's just so much variety and interesting things that you're doing out there. You throw in the dice on top of everything else and the wood components really make that game. Yeah, I'm going to go to Oracle of Delphi as well, just because while Five Tribes has a lot of beautiful pieces of wood, it's really the meeples that are really majorly come into play, where Oracle of Delphi, you got monsters, you got temples, you got resources, you got the ships that you're moving, uh, the dice. I mean, there's just so many great components here. All right, next up is our number seven seed, Tuscany, versus our number 11 seed, Roll Through the Ages. Okay, so Viticulture Tuscany, I've mentioned this every time. I love the use of those little custom uh, wood bits. I love the different sizes of your workers. Um, but Roll Through the Ages, it's just, I don't know, I just have this itch for this game where it just, the what I think of when I think of Roll Through the Ages is the wooden bits. It just kind of makes that game. I don't know how else you build it, honestly. I mean, plastic would just, it'd feel cheap, I guess. It just wouldn't be as much fun to kind of, to handle. So I'm going to go with Roll Through the Ages. Yeah, I'm going to go with Roll Through the Ages, too. We talked about this before. It's all about the wood. And Tuscany is probably a better game. But when it comes down to wood components, Roll Through the Ages, much, much better implementation. All right, that moves up to our final bracket, which is our number one seed, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures, versus our number five seed, Memoir 44. It's getting tougher. What do you got here? Ah, uh, yeah, this has always been the toughest bracket. I'm like, I've been upset about every game we've we've bounced out of here. Um, but Star Wars X-Wing, man, that's like, this is the only board game uh, for which I have pieces on my shelf being displayed just because. But at the same time, they're not just pieces for the sake of pieces. They are an integral part of that game. And I don't know how else to say it, but 
X-Wing is an X-Wing without those miniatures. So I'm going to go with X-Wing. Yeah, I had a conversation very similar with a friend who didn't seem like they were really too much into that particular game style, but was like, but you can put these on your shelf. And I haven't heard that from any other miniatures game. So so our number one seed, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures, moves on to the next round. All right, finally, we have our number two seed, Rising Sun, versus our number 11 seed, Mechs versus Minions. Okay, so we have two games here, basically at the pinnacle of miniatures and production quality and cool stuff in a box. I mean, they're both hotness. Mechs versus Minions is only like 18 months old, but the just the sheer volume of cool stuff you get in that rising sun box the quality of the miniatures you've said this before like the way each of those is actually integral to the gameplay they all do different things and their positions on the board matter and then the plastic coins matter like all these things are just part of the game and how you play it and the tactile feel of it uh, Max versus minions does a lot of the same things but i feel it's just a little different somehow for me. So I'm going to go with Rising Sun. Yeah, this is another tough one. It either one is is great. It's hard <laughs> not to not to want to have both move on to the next round, but that's that's the nature of brackets. You know, Rising Sun did inspire so many people to jump in on a game that they really weren't sure if they were going to like, myself being one of them. So I'm going to move Rising Sun on to the next round. All right, now we're finally set up to <clears throat> okay, we're set up for our final eight on, for our next episode where we'll take on those final challengers and finally move down to our final four and then pick our winner for our March Madness Bracket. Okay, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. <laughs>